Hello, this is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Woman's Friend. And today we're going to be uh, talking about getting healthy for the menopause. And I have the pleasure of talking to Philippa Bennett, who calls herself the well-being gardener. And no doubt she'll tell us why. Over the last five years of clinical practice as a nutritional therapist and homeopath, Philippa's experience of treating people from all over the planet has shown that health and happiness are so much more than the absence of disease. Philippa concentrates on not only helping women to reduce and manage their symptoms, but also to increase their overall well-being. And she also loves gardening. So welcome, Philippa. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Jean. Thank you very much. So can we start off by asking you the million-dollar question? Uh, what prompted you to call yourself the well-being gardener? Well, it basically came about as a combination of, um, as you said, helping people in their overall health and well-being and a combination of that and the fact that I love gardening and actually part of the therapy that I prescribe my patients or have been starting to is actually to get out into nature and to enjoy being in, not if they don't have a garden, maybe in a park environment or just being out in nature because I think that's just such a hugely important part of people's health is to get outside get outside into nature yes we should all do that more and uh, a garden notice particularly with the garden my garden it, it cries out for help when it starts to get overgrown so i have to go out and do something but it's not really the quality gardening i'd like to be doing it's just keeping things uh, from getting completely out of control yeah anyway we're here to talk about the menopause and um i'd like you to tell our listeners first of all what, in your opinion, is the best way to describe what is happening to them, both in the perimenopause and um, what they can expect if they haven't started or it's just getting going? Yeah. OK, so there are basically three stages of menopause that most people are very um, familiar with. You've got perimenopause, you've got menopause itself and postmenopause. And the thing that most people don't realize is that menopause itself is actually a singular point in time. And that is the last period that a woman um, has in her life. So it's it's absolutely impossible to predict actually the menopause at that point of time, because you never quite know when's your last period until you haven't had a period for a period of 12 months. So perimenopause is basically the time leading up to when the last period occurs. Menopause is that point in time, that last period, and after that is postmenopause. And you can only know if you're in postmenopause when you haven't had a period for 12 months. Um, that's the sort of accepted uh, length of time before you know you're in postmenopause. Mm-hmm. And basically perimenopause means that um, progesterone and estrogen start to decrease. So the, the ovaries don't um, produce those hormones in the quantities that they normally do. And that basically means that ladies become less fertile. Unfortunately, it's not a linear process. So it's not like the, the um, levels of hormones drop off at a linear rate. It's unfortunately up and down and all over the place. And that means that quite often ladies get um, get symptoms to do with that. And those symptoms, they can actually be absolutely anything, unfortunately. But there are a set of symptoms that are kind of accepted as the, the normal symptoms of menopause. So ladies, usually hot flushes, hot flushes are the most common symptom. You've got mood changes, chills, 
as opposed to hot flushes, it could be either or, hair thinning, um, brain fog, skin problems, sleep disturbance, low libido, vaginal dryness is also unfortunately a very common one. And that's basically what um, are the accepted symptoms of perimenopause. Um, from my perspective, those are not normal. So it isn't normal to experience um, severe symptoms of menopause if your body's functioning in, um, in a healthy, good way. And um, unfortunately, quite a high proportion of ladies, even when they've gone into postmenopause, so if they haven't had a period for 12 months, um, they do still experience symptoms. And obviously, the one to put on top of that, which I didn't mention, is um, periods. So your periods can get, and this is where people get um, very annoyed, <laughs> they can be longer, they can be shorter, they can be further apart, and they can be closer together. So while the body's adjusting to these hormonal changes, um, any range of symptoms can basically pop up for ladies, just depending on the person and how severely they react to the hormonal changes. Wow, that's a real package, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, I, I hear so many stories of, um, of ladies telling me particular things who are having a particularly bad time with this thing coming and going, and um, it, it's very, um, very sad to hear. So can I ask you a question, and I to some extent know the answer to, but I'd like to hear it from you, is how much help can we expect from orthodox medics and medicine? Yeah, the, the, the basic only um, treatment from orthodox medicine is hormone replacement therapy. Um, and you're basically, it, is, it does what it says on the tin, that you're replacing the hormones that the ovaries would normally produce, um, the progesterone and the estrogen, you're replacing them with a synthetic um, form of that. Um, there are two, you either take an estrogen on its own or a combination of the two. Doctors prefer to do the combination because estrogen on its own has been shown to increase the rate of um, uh, cancer, um, ladies' cancers, if you like. Um, mm -hmm. The risk is lower when they combine the two. Um, there are two kind of schools of thought on that, that a lot of doctors say the risk is completely negligible. There are other doctors that say it's higher, you know, risk of ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, breast cancer, all the kind of lady cancers. Um, and that's basically all they've got. And that's to um, reduce the incidence of hot flashes. And the problem with, with that is it works for some women and some women it doesn't work at all. So and a lot of women as well don't want to go down that route because if you're taking synthetic hormones or you're replacing the hormones that normally are produced, you don't actually know when you go into postmenopause. So you don't know when you're going to go into that stage. It's impossible to tell because your body will just keep kind of feeling and functioning the way that it has all the time. I see. So a common misunderstanding about uh, um, the, uh, the supplementation that the doctor provides that is that it delays the menopause. But are you saying the menopause is still continuing at its own speed under the surface? Yes, because the hormones are not being produced by the ovaries. You're just you're just replacing what would normally be naturally produced by the body. Um, yeah. The menopause is still there. You just can't feel it. It's just not kind of happening because you're not allowing your body to respond in a natural way. So, OK, thank you for that. Well, I'm just wondering... Um, what sort of things we can do ourselves? If you say that's a path that might or might not work, um, naturally, some ladies are going to try it and see if it works for them or not. 
But am I right in thinking you have some alternatives which um, take them down a different path? Yes, so um, homeopathy actually works really, really well with um, menopause symptoms, especially with hot flushes. Um, there are a few studies that were done quite a while ago now, I think 2008 and 2012 maybe, um, and they were studies done by um, mainstream medicine. If you like, you can find them in all the periodical journals that are uh, published in mainstream medicine. And they found that um, treating hot flushes with homeopathy had a, around about a 98% success rate of either completely eliminating the hot flushes or diminishing them enough that the ladies felt huge, huge relief. And in my own practice, I have um, I have a few patients who absolutely, <laughs> they, I think, worship the ground I walk on in some way because they've suffered for so long with their hot flushes. And they saw me a couple of times and they were just so hugely relieved. They couldn't believe that they hadn't come to homeopathy earlier. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. And it's it's such a, a huge sense of satisfaction to see, you know, one, one appointment you see somebody you know, grey and unhealthy and not really feeling very good and just desperate and they come back and they are just bouncing and full of joy and happiness and singing your praises. I mean, it really is good for the ego. I must, I just have to admit that. Um, but yeah, that works really, really well. And there's also a lot of nutritional things to consider as well because um, what happens in the body is when you start to produce less progesterone and estrogen through the ovaries, the adrenal glands actually take over that process. So the body's really, really clever and it has kind of a backup for when the ovaries start to, you know, get a, a little bit older and not doing their job as they're not supposed as they're supposed to. The adrenal glands start to produce those hormones. Um, but the problem is that um, stress, which produces cortisol, um, if the body has to choose between producing the stress hormone or producing the estrogen and the progesterone, it will go for the cortisol every time, oh. which basically means that stress in the body and stress as we, you know, stress we kind of think of work and kids and jobs and, and everything, but stress is also diet. So if you're not, um, if you're not nutritionally feeding yourself in the most optimal way, you're putting stress on the body, which makes you produce cortisol, which makes you your menopause symptoms more intense and things like adrenal fatigue actually the symptoms of adrenal fatigue are basically the same as menopause symptoms so if you're very stressed all the time you've not only got your menopause symptoms but you've also got adrenal fatigue symptoms which is like a double up of everything which makes people feel a lot lot worse so nutritionally it's very important to you know, make sure you're eating, uh, keeping away from sugar, alcohol, coffee, all those things that are stresses on the body, eating lots of um, fresh food, you know, vegetables, fruit, pulses, um, just everything we know is nutritionally very good for us. So we, we know what's bad for us generally and we know what's good for us. And in the menopausal years and perimenopausal years, it's important to, to basically stick to those healthy um, lifestyle habits because they make a, a huge, huge difference. Right. So just for a bit of clarification, so are the adrenal glands trying to produce estrogen and progesterone? Otherwise, yes. progesterone. And they can do it, can they? They can do it. Not in the same quantities as the ovaries, but it's kind of like the backup system just to try and to help to balance things out when everything's going a bit haywire in the ovary area. Yeah. But if, if the stress is there, they'll go for cortisol over those um, hormones every time. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, and 
well, I don't know quite now how to ask you for the clarifications because there's so much that you said. Um, do, do, you, do you issue your patients with diet sheets so they've got a reminder in their kitchen or in their, with their shopping list so that they're consciously buying the right things? Uh, it, it really depends on the patient, to be honest, because um, nutrition is a tricky subject for a lot of people. I do tend to find that um, a lot of my patients are already pretty nutritionally savvy. And it just takes a little bit of tweaking to try to, you know, say, avoid that and go for that instead. Um, but if someone has a, a diet which is, you know, high in sugar, if they like a glass of wine in the evening, if they can't give up their coffee during the day, taking that away from them when they're already going through such an emotional, uh, you know, turbulent change as the, the perimenopause it can actually quite be quite sort of traumatic for them so it really takes they have to meet me halfway in that kind of thing I can give them the suggestions I can give them everything they need to know whether they do it or not is it has to come from their end and you do tend to get a little bit of resistance with that yeah, in the beginning yeah yeah but <laughs> is it possible to give them some 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 suggestions that will excuse me, will compensate to some degree so that at least they can have some coffee now and again, they can have some wine now and again, um, and offset that by, by some good points from the other direction. Yeah, I mean, you can take B vitamins, for example, are very, very important as, as we get older anyway. So um, B6, particularly for um, um, perimenopausal ladies, because B6 has been shown to help with the hot flushes. Um, B vitamins are very important anyway, um, just generally for health. B12 is also very important. So even though if you are a meat eater and you're eating cheese, B12 is actually becoming more difficult to get through, even through meat and cheese, because it generally comes out of the soil. And um, we're actually now supplementing, um, you know, cows and um, whatever we're eating meat wise. They're actually getting B12 supplements because they're not getting it through their own food. And as we get older, it becomes more difficult to actually absorb B12, which is very, very important for, you know, cognitive health and that kind of thing as we age anyway. Um, but, yeah, basically, you know, um, one thing to note as well, because this comes up very often with um, with menopausal ladies or perimenopausal ladies is the keto diet. I don't know if you've heard of that, Jean, but it's where people um, you basically eat a lot, a very high fat diet. Um, and you cut out the carbs and that's unfortunately a very unhealthy thing to do so people swear by it because they can lose weight very easily which yeah. is something that becomes a problem as you get into into um the the uh, transformative years of our life should i say um but in the long term it's actually not very good for your heart at all and it puts strength stress on your liver it's just a really unhealthy way of eating Right, can I just go back and ask you to spell that word? That Was it say keto, did you say? Keto, K-E-T-O. Right, and what does it yeah. what does it mean? You're saying it's a bad diet. It's um, not it's, a yeah, it's something called ketogenesis, which is basically when you, um, when you have a very low-carbohydrate diet, um, it forces your body to basically burn um, fat stores rather than, than carbohydrate stores because normally we store carbohydrates for energy so sugar is energy that's what we, we use for our everyday energy for our brain for, for absolutely everything and in a ketogenic diet you're forcing the body to go to the fat stores and get their energy from there 
which is why people lose weight very easily on the ketogenic diet. They lose it quickly. You know, it's if someone's got a lot of weight to lose, it's 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 an easy way to lose weight. But in the long run, if you're eating a very high fat diet, it's just not not healthy. Everybody knows that a high fat diet is not healthy. Even if you lose weight, you've got to weigh up the balance between heart health and being maybe a couple of kilos overweight which i think sometimes we have to come to terms with as we get a bit older that we're just not the same shape as we were when we were 25. absolutely well um wasn't there a diet that was quite fashionable uh, and you heard a lot of people talking about it, just a few years ago not so very long ago which was uh, sounds to me very much like this uh, uh, no carbohydrates uh, all protein i can't remember what it was called somebody's name and it was the atkins diet atkins oh yes is that similar to the keto thing yeah it's basically the same thing yeah um, oh, right more yeah. or less with the with, with keto you still allowed a certain amount of, of carbohydrates but not much it's, it's basically the same thing yeah right thank you well that's very good you make a point which i'd like to just sort of bring out a bit because um the thing about the body change um is quite significant i mean i remember an incident i didn't see, didn't attach much significance to it at the time but I must have been in my teens, and my mother said, um, I'm, I've got to go back to wearing a corset to, um, or not to go back to, to, to wear a corset in order to try and keep the remains of my figure. Well, subsequently, and with the work I do with midlife women, I've realized she was trying to put the clock back. And one of the important things is learning to live with the new body that you've got as a midlife woman. And that's uh, yeah, something yeah. you just touched on, which I'm very glad to hear you say that doesn't mean to say it's not going to be beautiful. Of course it will be, but it'll be different. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm now, I'm, I'm coming up 44. I'll be 44 in, in just over a month's time. And yeah, losing weight when you're in your 40s is not the same as losing weight when you're 30. You know, it takes, it takes longer. It takes more effort. And the result is not the same as, you know, when you were 25. And I think it's important just to, accept and, and live with that because we change and we've we've got all this knowledge and all this stuff that we've learned and all this wisdom and our body takes it and carries it and it's important to to honor that i think yes as you said earlier our bodies are incredibly clever i mean they're such i used to call it walking with a miracle we don't realize how miraculous our body is until something comes along and then you see the body in action yeah. dealing with it it's remarkable but I'm, may I just run something past you, which is my um, thinking about homeopathy, because it is uh, many people doubt it or are skeptical about it. But I started going to homeopath um, a few years ago, and um, she was giving me this, these tablets. And I, and I said, after a little while, I'm always in thinking what these little tablets do is they trigger the body into doing something which is either forgotten how to do or doesn't know how to do um, to get it to, to do most of the work. So the little tablets you take are not what's doing the work. It's, is it, how, how accurate is that? That's, that's pretty much basically it, Jean. So, um, you know, we have this innate kind of um, force within us that knows how to be healthy. So your body is always, even in the, the mainstream medical model, your body is always striving to have this, this homeostasis, as they call it. So it's always striving to be in balance and to be healthy. And then things come along and they disturb that balance. So that could be, it could be an illness that you, you, you know, maybe cancer or, you know, 
IBS, for example, is quite a common one to have stomach problems. Or it might just be, it might be a trauma, an emotional trauma in the past. So whatever it is, you're basically with homeopathy, you're having a look to see how the person is presenting their symptoms with relation to what they've experienced. And you're matching a remedy in the same kind of energetic way as the way that they're presenting their symptoms. And that matched energy, so it's curing like with like is the way that it's described in the books. You're basically, as you say, stimulating the body to achieve its own healing, um, which is what makes homeopathy so powerful because, you know, you're not sort of, you're not covering up the symptoms. You're giving your body the, the terrain or the environment it needs to basically heal itself. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And um, obviously, uh, I wish more people would take advantage of it, having had success with it myself. Um, I wasn't ever skeptical. I just didn't know. But um, anyway, that's um, another story. Now, what I'd like to ask you is, if somebody, I mean, um, you live in a particular location. I don't know where you want to say where you live. But um, the number of people who can beat a pathway to your door I would suggest from our listeners is not that large once they find out where you live. But um, yeah. <laughs> do you do do stuff online and do or I'm just wondering how people can get this sort of help. Not necessarily. I mean, give your details at the end, and they will be on the on the website. But um, not everybody who's listening may be able to come to you. How how should somebody go about finding somebody as knowledgeable and experienced and lovely as you are? <laughs> Well, um, actually, the, the majority of us now, I think probably all of us now in the, who are homeopaths, we are all doing online consultations, you know, due right. to the current um, COVID situation, we've had to transfer our practices to 100% online. I've actually been doing online work for, for a number of years anyway, so it's, it wasn't too much of a transfer for me. Um, but yeah, basically, people can go to my website, they can book a, an appointment with me online. Um, and we do everything over Zoom, the same as um, I'm talking to you now. And that's um, I have patients in um, in America, in the UK, in Australia. Um, a few occasionally, one in Ireland, I think, the other day was was one. The majority actually are in America at the moment. Um, mm. So yeah, wow. it's, uh, okay, it's so, very easy. So although I'm going to put it on the website and with any account, would you like to say what your contact details are? So they're on the record. So anybody listening to this can just yep. write it down and then they've got what they need. Yes. So my website is very easy. It's www.thewellbeinggardener.com, all one word. And if they go to that web page, they will see um, a menu option saying book online. So they can do it straight into my calendar, which is available um, to book into online. Um, and everything is done, you know, they can they can pay with PayPal. It's all very, very easy. They can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the wellbeing gardener. Very easy. And I'm also on Instagram at the underscore wellbeing underscore gardener. So I'm very Wonderful. easy to find. Very easy, yes. And the, the beautiful thing about Zoom is you get, um, you can see, like I can see you um, and this recording, it won't be on the audio track, of course, but... Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's face to face, even though it's yes. not physically in the same room. And because yeah, um, yeah. I presume you you can tell a lot when you talk to someone by the expression on their faces and how it changes and so forth and how they respond. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, in this day and age, yesterday I had a patient who's in California, and it's so clear and so you know the the, 
picture is so beautiful these days. It's not all sort of jumpy and, and, and jittery like yeah, it was back yeah. in the old days. It's just the technology has really um, advanced so much that it's, it's an advantage to us to be able to do it online and advantage to our patients as well. They don't have to leave their own home. That's wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you much, very much indeed, Philippa. You've given um, so much useful information. Is there anything you, you would like to add or that I haven't touched on that you think our listeners could usefully know about this, this philosophy? Which we came up with the phrase, getting healthy for the menopause, which implied yeah. if it hadn't started, it's good to uh, start getting yourself suitably prepared. But in, um, a healthy menopause is much better than an unhealthy menopause. So, um, anything else you want to add to end off to encourage our listeners? Yeah, I think um, I think one thing I would mention is um, because this kind of relates into the way that someone's going to experience their menopause is that if you have suffered any kind of trauma in your past, that actually has a much bigger impact on the way that you present in any kind of symptom in any kind of illness or any kind of change in the body. The way that the body responds to things is very much impacted on traumas that happen in the past. So with homeopathy, we don't just treat the symptoms of menopause. We would treat the person as a whole and therefore any traumas, any emotional um, baggage, basically, that they've got that they're bringing through into their, their perimenopausal years so that they're treated as a whole person and not just for what they're suffering at this point in time. I think that's important for people to realise with when they're being treated homeopathically. That's lovely to know. And it's consistent with my own experience. Um, we spent the first couple of sessions talking about my history um, and my symptoms, but you know, I, clearly the, the practitioner wanted to know about me as the whole person. And um, well, I found it not too, too bad. But anyway, let's say that's an opportunity, but people can do it again is in the privacy of their own home with all the doors locked. And exactly. only, yeah, so that's very comforting and reassuring. Well, Philippa, thank you so much um, for your time this afternoon. And um, I, I know because of the many other things that you've touched on, that I'd like to think we'll be talking again and um, on the other subject. But today I wanted to concentrate, as we have done, on this issue that you do not have to suffer in silence the terrible things that many people do with the menopause because um, they, get, they get even less help from the doctors than you indicated that they, they should do. And they're more or less told to get on with it. And meanwhile, they're... They're suffering in silence, and it's tragic, tragic if it's not necessary. Yes. So thank you again, Philippa. And um, if you would like to say goodbye to our listeners, and then I'll sign off. Thank you very much for having me, Jean. It's really, it's, uh, I just love getting this information out to as many people as possible because you can, you can end the suffering of as many women as we can and uh, sooner rather than later. Yes, so we share that intention, so that's great. So this is Jean MacDonald thanking you for listening, thanking our guests, Philippa, uh, the well-being gardener for her time this afternoon. And uh, hopefully we'll be doing something again soon. I'll certainly be doing some more interviews. So I look forward to talking to you then. And in the meantime, this is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Woman's friend, signing off for now. Bye.